It's Tuesday, August 29th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the, the Guardians uh, dropped the first of a three-game series, a, a critical three-game series in Toronto uh, last night after going out to a 4 nothing lead in the second. Uh, they give up, uh, you know, six in the bottom of the inning. Xavion uh, Curry uh, gives up a grand slam to Royce Lewis of the Twins. Uh, Lewis uh, quickly becoming a, a, a Guardians uh, killer. Uh, seeing them regularly, that's his third career home run uh, against Cleveland in uh, you know just eight games uh, against the club. And uh, the, the Twins go on to win 10 to six. They push their lead in the American League Central Division out to seven games. And uh, with 30 games left in the season, it's uh, it's going to be a tall task for the Guardians to chase down uh, Minnesota. Yeah, just really a disappointing uh, start to this series, Joe. You know, they get out to that 4 nothing lead. You, you've got to be feeling good. Uh, Naylor crushes the ball to center field. Um, but, uh, boy, the Twins, you know, they, they're on fire. They did the same thing to Texas uh, on Sunday when they came back and beat them in, the, in uh, what, 13 innings. And they just rolled, rolled over to Cleveland on Monday night. And uh, they've got to win the, for the next two, Joe, j- just to have a chance, just to keep their nose above water. Yeah, that's uh, we, we said uh, yesterday, you know, coming into the series, they could either wind up three games, five games, seven games or nine games behind the Twins when they leave town. Uh, and, and as of right now, uh, you know, five, seven or nine are the only possibilities left. So uh, it's not looking good. The offense, Terry Francona uh, said, you know, the same thing that that made you smile 10 minutes later will make you cry. And, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, they looked like they had taken a good approach to Kenta Maeda uh, out there in the first few innings. Uh, Maeda only lasted four, four uh, but then they brought in uh, I keep wanting to say Lawrence Funderburg, but it's Cody Funderburg. Uh, Cody Funderburg, the big lefty uh, came in and in his first major league appearance uh, pitched two scoreless innings with three strikeouts. Uh, really looked like he was in control and uh, everything that the Guardians were doing well in the first, you know, three to four innings uh, went away after that, and uh, the the Twins kept adding on. Yeah, and, you know, Maeda was having trouble. Uh, well, the Guardians, like you said, Joe, did a great job laying off his splitter, you know, the, that that his, his money pitch that dips below the strike zone. Uh, they laid off that. They made him bring the ball up, and they, they tattooed him. I mean, they were they were hitting shots all over the field. And then uh, when Thunderbird came in, it was a different story. Was a, this guy looked like he was about seven foot tall. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. He, you know, he just active. I think he was just activated before the game, like 20, 30 minutes before the game. I don't know if he came from St. Paul. You know, he caught the uh, light rail over from St. <laughs> Paul to uh, Target Field and, you know, jumped in a uni and, and you know, and and, th- and threw a shutout at, uh, at Cleveland. But, you know, Joe, to me, the uh, the difference, there was a big difference in this game. You know, the Guardians call up a lefty, Daniel Norris. Uh, the the Twins go with a lefty with Thunderburk. You know, Daniel Norris, we've seen him, Joe, twice already. He's been DFA'd by Cleveland. They, you know, they <laughs> they keep bringing this guy back. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't blame, 
I don't blame uh, Curry. You know, he's a rookie and he pitched like a rookie in a big game. But for the for the bulk of his season, he's done. You know, he's he's been above and beyond what what Cleveland could have wanted. But wh- why Norris? I mean, there's nobody else in the on the forty man roster that they could have brought up that was you know that that could have been an alternate to him, to uh, alternative to him. You, we 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 keep going back to Norris. We keep thinking he's going to spin straw into gold, and it never happens. Yeah, looking at uh, just what he's been able to produce in his, you know, three different stretches with the club, uh, it's more like a, it feels to me like they're they're telling him, hey, we know uh, we're just tar- trying to buy innings here. We're trying to get, uh, you know, eat up some innings and, and, and be passable. But uh, he's he's not able to go out there and be effective. Uh, his second inning or I'm sorry, his first inning, his first inning of work, he goes out there and uh you know, on two pitches, he's through the no. It's his second inning of work. On two pitches, he's he's through the uh, the first two batters, uh, and then the home run to Matt Walner uh, really sort of uh, opened the floodgates. After that, uh, I I don't know. I, I don't expect Daniel Norris to be on the roster uh, much longer, especially past um, you know September first when they're able to expand things up and bring uh, you know another couple of arms, but. You know, who knows? They might just uh, think that they need to get uh, get through some innings with these rookies. And uh, maybe he is just the, the best available guy. I, I, I can't uh, imagine uh, that there's anybody in, in, in Columbus right now who's uh, could be worse than Daniel Norris if you want to bring them up. Well, you know, they could have, you know, they, Tim Heron's an option, obviously, but they sent him down and you've got to, you got to stay down 10 days at least right. when you get sent down, you know, if, unless there's an injury and there's no injury. So they couldn't bring him up. I'm sure he was, you know, the, for their first choice. Uh, I don't know if he could have gone, if he had, if he stretched out to go two innings or, you know, an inning and a third like Norris did. But what about Cantillo? What about, you know, Battenfield or Gaddis? And, you know, I mean, any of these guys, I mean, those, I those mean, would be did, the did other, it have to be a lefty? I, I don't know. Yeah, those would be the other three. And uh, from what I keep hearing, Cantillo isn't ready. Uh, that's that's what I keep hearing over and over again. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen it, uh, you know, with my own eyes. But, you know, what what's the harm in, in bringing him up? And if he's on the 40, man, just bring him up and put him in the in a game just to see what he can do. He couldn't uh, have done any worse. And and you give him the opportunity to to learn up here at the major league level, learn the the routines and everything, so that when you bring him back next year, you know maybe he's uh, all ready to go and and you know isn't going to be asking where the exit signs are. So yeah, I I think uh, Norris was a you know not, is not the best option, but he's what they have right now, so they had to go with him. And, and you've got Cody Morris who hasn't been effective in his return uh, as well, and he's out there so. Uh, you know, it, it, interesting to see right now what the what they consider the best options are, and and you know, kind of not right now is is the, not really being productive. Um, we know that uh, they, they announced yesterday Josh Naylor is heading out on a rehab assignment uh, this week. Uh, he will be in Akron tonight uh, to play for the Rubber Ducks. Uh, he plans plans to play five innings tonight, five innings on Thursday, and then. Uh, we'll see action on Friday and Sunday as well. Uh, so that's the plan right now for Josh Naylor, who's coming back from an, an oblique uh, strain. Uh, they're going to ease him back into it. I think Tito's quote was he said that you know Josh feels like he's ready to play right now, but the uh, the training staff wants to take it easy, wants to make sure that 
they don't push things because if you if you mess up with this oblique injury, uh, it, it could be a while before you see him back out on the field. So, um, you know, that's Josh Naylor uh, getting closer. Uh, you know, hopefully by this time next week, we could see him in a Guardians uniform. Yeah, but the only thing is, Joe, by the time the Calvary a lot, uh, arrives, you know, this this thing is going to be over. This thing could be over. So, you know, I'm glad Josh is, is getting back there. But, boy, have they missed him in August. You know, the Twins kind of took control of this division in August by going 15 and 10. Meanwhile, without Naylor in the lineup to protect uh, to protect Ramirez, they've gone 9 and 16 that Cleveland has. They're they're, you know, we know they they can't hit home runs. So here's what they've done in August. They're hitting 226 in August. They've hit 19 home runs, the fewest in the in the American League. They've scored 92 runs, uh, thir- you know, which is like th- ranks 13th in the American League. Um, it's just, uh, you know, they've they've missed his bat. They've they really, you know, they've missed uh, they missed his presence in the middle of the lineup. So anytime he comes back, he's going to be welcomed. But it might be too little, too late to keep these guys in the race. Yeah, I think the biggest number is, you know, at the start of the month, August first, when Naylor went on the injured list, uh, they were one game out of uh, the division. They were a game behind Minnesota uh, for first place in the AL Central. And uh, you know, as it stands today. Uh, 28, 29 days later, they're they're seven behind and seven back with 30 to play is is not uh, you know a lot of time to make things up. So even if Naylor is able to come back by Monday or Tuesday of next week, it it's uh, a long shot that they're going to be able to run down uh, the Twins. And uh, you know you just sort of get that that feeling. There was a uh, I think it was a a base hit uh, under the glove of Jose Ramirez uh, late in the game. Uh, I think it was Donovan Solano might have had it, uh, but uh, you know I, I kind of watched and and you know not not to call Jose out in any way, but you know I was thinking you know maybe a dive there or, or something at, at some point if they were if they were their heart was truly in it trying to win this division I think uh, you know the, there might have been some some life and some fire later in the game and I didn't see that uh, last night uh, late in the game after falling behind after that Royce Lewis grand slam I think that's going to be when you look back on it, uh, a moment that sort of, you know, put the nail in the coffin for this team uh, for the season as they head down the stretch. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. I noticed the same thing. Arias in the uh, in the second inning, um, you know, hits. He, he thought he hit a bomb, thought he hit a home run, uh, mm-hmm. went off the top of the wall in right field. He should have been on third base. He was, he was lucky he got to second base. I mean, this is a guy, Joe, Arias is a guy that, that should – he, he shouldn't be taking a short step anywhere on a baseball field. This guy should be running. He's getting the chance of a lifetime here, the chance of his career, and he's kind of strutting down to first base in a home run trot in one of the biggest games of the season. He he, he better start, uh, you know, put a he, – he, I think he starts he – should, he should start running hard, you know, Joe. I think this guy should, you know, kind of kick it into another gear because this guy is hitting 190. Come on, let's go run the bases. Yeah, he did have two doubles in the game. Uh, he's hit safely in four of his seven career games against Minnesota, and and all of those games are multi-hit games. So he does like hitting against the Twins. Uh, but uh, you know, just over the last, uh, you know, over his career against Minnesota, Arias hitting 381 with three doubles, two walks, and a 599 or 959 OPS uh, in those games. 
Uh, Bo Naylor also with a two-run home run, and that ball uh, was was smoked uh, in the second inning. Uh, two-run homer to dead center field, and it went into the batter's eye, and it just got got swallowed up. Uh, I remember why, you know, watching it last night, looking up and just seeing the ball disappear. No ricochet, no anything. It just you know <laughs> sort of got swallowed up by the uh, the leafy uh, covered batter's eye out there in center field. Uh, Naylor is four for 13 uh, over his last five games with uh, extra base hits in each of those games. So uh, he's maybe starting to, to, you know, figure things out and, and come out of it. And and we saw Ramon Laureano again last night uh, after a big game on Sunday. Laureano had uh, a couple of hits and he's hit in four of his last five games as well. Yeah, you know, that's encouraging, Joe. I like the way Naylor swung the bat. He's, you know, we're starting to see him. I think he's starting to get a little more playing time, a little more consistent playing time. He looks a little more confident at the plate to me. Uh, and that was, you're right, that was a beautiful swing on that home run. And uh, Lariano, what, he had three hits Sunday in that big win, comes back with two more today. You know, him and uh, him and Calhoun, are, you know, like we've said before, have given them, have given them some, uh, you know, veteran presence in that locker room. And, and you know, I think they've kind of said, hey, listen, this you don't get many chances like this. You guys think you're seven games out of the – out of the you know, out of the uh, you know first place, but you're still in the race here. You might never get another chance like this, so you know let's start playing. Play you know play like that. I want to remind our listeners about Subtext, our subscription texting service for three ninety nine a month. You can subscribe and get direct messages to your phone from Hoinsey and myself about all the uh, Guardians moves, our thoughts on uh, what's next, and the inside information you get from the clubhouse and from Tito's. Pre-game and post-game press conferences. Go to cleveland.com slash subtext or send a text message to 216-208-4346 to subscribe. Uh, what did you think of the box last night? Uh, Curry, got called, <laughs> Curry got called for a balk with the bases loaded. That's the second time this season he's been called for a balk with the bases loaded. Uh, cost him a run. And then uh, Karinczak as well gets called for two balks. Uh, Karen Jack's box. I'm not surprised about uh, that's the, that, you know, just watching him and watching his movements and his, uh, you know, setup and everything. Uh, I would think that he would lend himself to balking more often than, you know, other pitchers, but, but Curry, uh, there, there was an issue with the pitch com. I think that, you know, he heard something right before he was about to start his motion and he stopped and, and that, uh, sort of caught him there, but, uh, he's had trouble, uh, in the past with, uh, being in that position, uh, what'd you think of uh, that situation? Even have you seen three box in a game uh, from a team? No, I've never <laughs> seen. You know, I I only thought uh, I only thought Garrett got called for one box. He got called for two box. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, I've never. Two. I was. I was going to say I never saw two box in a game. I certainly haven't seen three box in a game. Yeah, Karen Check became the third Guardians pitcher since 1969 with two box in the same inning. Uh, he joined Larry Sorensen uh, in the bottom of the first inning in 1982 against Boston, and Mike Jackson, who did so in 1998 against Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, it's not uh, it's it's kind of a rare feat to balk twice in the same inning. Uh, and Karen Check, uh, obviously, there there are still some things that he's working on uh, that that need to get uh, you know cleaned up. Uh, two balks in the same inning is uh, highly unusual. 
Well, yeah, I know, Joe. And before the season, they talked to him about that, you know, about, you know, quickening his, his delivery, you know, kind of slowing down all those moving parts, especially with the pitch clock. And uh, so he's got, he's still got some tweaks and, and he's still got some uh, uh, like idiosyncrasies that, that he does on the mound that sometimes you're going to get caught with that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting caught uh, up on the scoreboard, uh, social media caught the uh, scoreboard operators at uh, Target Field uh, kind of poking fun at, uh, I think they were kind of poking fun at Tim Anderson, but uh, they're poking fun at Jose Ramirez. Uh, there was a sign on the board in his at bat in the third inning uh, that said Jose Ramirez. And, you know, there's this trend lately of scoreboard operators sort of trying to be cheeky. Uh, the, the, the sign on the board read, it was a, a note next to his, his headshot. It said currently one and zero with a first round TKO of Tim Anderson and a no decision against Miguel Cabrera, uh, obviously referencing the, the benches clearing fight, uh, and suspension that Jose and, uh, Tim Anderson had a couple weeks ago. And then Miguel Cabrera, uh, you know, last week, uh, at progressive field when they were honoring him, uh, sort of struck a boxer's pose and poked fun at Jose Ramirez. Uh, you can tell Jose really doesn't appreciate or like, uh, you know, being reminded of that. I think it's because Jose doesn't like the fact that he got ejected from the game. And he he kind of takes that personally as a, you know, a sort of a pride thing. Um, I don't think the the fight thing really bothers him as much. But any reference to that, uh, that since that incident, he's sort of, you know, tried to shut that down or gone the other way. And. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I bet you he doesn't really appreciate all the T-shirts that have come out since then, even though it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. It, it, he probably still thinks that it's, uh, you know, not something to be particularly proud of. Yeah, my favorite T-shirt is the one where they've got Jose fa- Jose's face on uh, Muhammad Ali's body standing over a Sonny Liston. That's the best one. <laughs> yeah, that's the the old photo sort of re- uh, superimposed with his his face, yeah. and it's uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, but again. You know I, bet, Jose, I, bet, I bet Jose's got a closet full of those. Yeah, but knowing Jose, <laughs> he, he wants to, uh, you know, try to sort of keep a, a lid on that kind of stuff because um, that's uh, that's yeah. not something he's really particularly proud of. I think he, yeah, I think you're right. I think he was a, l- a little embarrassed by that. But I wouldn't be embarrassed about, you know, a one-punch knockout. That's pretty yeah. good, man. Oh, no, I don't think he's embarrassed about that. I, I, that's pretty cool. I, I just think uh, – you know, the, the the reaction afterwards to, you know, that kind of thing. He said he's like, I've never been ejected in my career. Yeah. So that's that's not something he's happy about. All right. Tonight, Pablo Lopez takes the mound for the, the twins. Uh, Gavin Williams goes for the Guardians. And, and if Cleveland ever needed a strong six innings out of uh, their their rookie, uh, uh, you know, big gun, uh, Gavin Williams is is needed tonight. Uh, what do you expect from uh, tonight's game? You know, Joe, it's just uh, you you don't know what to expect. You know, I thought Curry was going to pitch well last night. And now, you know, this is really a big test for rookie starters. The Guardians are going with three of them, you know, like and, uh, you know, Gavin Williams tonight, uh, Tanner Bybee on on Wednesday. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I think... I think Williams will pitch well, but I just don't know. It's, it's, you know, this is, you know, getting to the big leagues is one thing. Winning in the big leagues is another thing, you know, pitching, you know, in, in a, you know, kind of a, a playoff game, a playoff atmosphere at least is another thing. So we'll have to see how they respond. Yeah. This should be uh, interesting to watch. All right. Uh, before we get going, uh, we found out uh, from the, 
National Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, what the uh, what the plans are for John Adams' drum, uh, which has been donated by the club uh, to uh, Cooperstown. Uh, it's going to head out there, and uh, it will be in the Your Team Today display, which is on the third floor at the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, it, each that display has lockers for each of the 30 teams. And the lockers are filled with artifacts from like on-field things like cleats and bats and gloves and jerseys, uh, all from like significant moments over the team's recent history. So within the last few years, um, you know, you can go up there and see things from uh, the, the 2016 World Series run and, you know, the post uh, postseason appearances, uh, all stuff with players that are on the roster today or, uh, you know, have been in the last 10 years or so. Um, the, the drum and two mallets uh, that were donated to the museum are going to be part of the, uh, guardians locker in that display. Uh, and it's unusual because most of the teams have, uh, you know, only items that have been on the field that are used in play, uh, like jerseys, bats, and balls, uh, in those lockers, but the guardians are going to have uh, John Adams drum and uh, the museum thinks that. You know, it's sort of a special honor because, you know, that, that recognizes the connection that that John had to uh, Cleveland baseball fans. And uh, I, I think it's an appropriate, uh, you know, sort of move for uh, for the drum. And, and now if you want to see it, uh, make a plan, make plans to, to go to Cooperstown, because uh, at some point uh, in the near future, it will be on display in the uh, in the locker there. Yeah, I think it's a perfect place for uh, for John's drum. Uh, you know, you, you value consistency <clears throat> in a player. You value guys that show up every day, that play every day. And, and John showed up every day to bang that drum every day. So it's in a perfect spot. Yeah, that's uh, couldn't think of a more appropriate way to honor uh, John Adams uh, moving forward. All right, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll check back in with you on Thursday. Uh, after the series in Minnesota, and uh, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.